Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Jacob's Cabin. This is Anna in Indiana. And Denise. And we're here to talk about the 14th episode of season 5 of Lost, which was titled The Variable. So, um, I think we're just going to start at the beginning. Yeah, where else can you start, really? There's so much to cover. Yeah, actually not the beginning of the show, but we're going to start with the beginning of what we know about Daniel Faraday, his early years. So what, what do you think, Denise, about seeing Daniel as a kid? Um, I think that it makes sense that he was so good at the piano, because if he's really good at physics and math, usually that goes along with being very musically talented. Oh. And I wish so badly that I could play the piano like that. He was really good. Yeah, he was. And the fact that he was counting the metronome while he was playing the piano and while his mother was talking to him, I mean, what kind of gifts does this guy actually have? Maybe he's got you know, a little bit of ADD so he can concentrate on, like, two things at once. And maybe that's why he's a little scatterbrained and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, part of that's the memory loss aspect of it. Well, yeah, but if you're real ADD and your brain's jumping around, it can kind of make you a little bit like that, too. Huh. So I guess his mother knew to get him that notebook. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely a good gift idea for him. I loved how he's, um how Hawking was saying, you know, there's not time to do everything, and then little Faraday's like, I could make time. And I was like, yeah, you can, dude. And she said, if only you could. And that, to me, said, I know you're gonna die. I mean, on the the second watching, obviously, not not really the first time Hey, depressing. (laughs) Yeah, but, um, I mean, maybe she thinks that literally he can make time somehow, because she knows what's happened on the island. Mm -hmm. And I think Chang, at one point, referenced reference time i think it was in the it was in the comic-con video last year where oh yeah pierre chang said time is not just of the essence time is the essence so if time has some sort of essence or some sort of quality to it that you can manipulate it can you create more so i didn't know how much to read into her statement if only you could you know Mm -hmm. i wish i could create some more time before finals well, you'll have to talk to Faraday about that. I know, right? I did love how how little Faraday just seemed like such a nice kid. Mm-hmm. You know, like he actually genuinely seemed like a cool kid to be around. Although I was really sad to see he wasn't wearing a tie. Oh, that would have been so good. <laughs> I know, it would have been perfect. So the next time we see Faraday is when he's graduating from college. And he's with Teresa, who's a very lovely girl. Has accent sounds just like Charlotte, I think. And curly hair just like Charlotte. And curly hair just like Charlotte. So I was like, hmm, I wonder why he likes Charlotte. And Maybe she, she seemed, reminds him of Teresa. Yeah, Teresa seemed so nice, but Miss Hawking was mean. Oh, yeah. Like, just straight up rude. Yeah. I wanted to just shake her and be like, dude, get a grip. Yeah. 
Yeah. But that makes me wonder, like, if she knew all this time that she was going to kill him, maybe she kind of kept him at arm's length so that, you know, she wouldn't get too overly attached. I mean, obviously a mother's always going to be attached, but if you knew you're going to do something that bad, maybe that's why she's always kind of standoffish with him. Yeah, she also had that statement in the restaurant. Um, she said, The women in your life will only be terribly hurt. Your work will always come first, that's all. Now, the work will always come first, that seemed like an excuse, you know, trying to cover up that she almost said too much, I think, with yeah. the first one. I mean, it sounds like she knows too much. Like, well, you're only going to hurt the women that you're around. And I think she also means herself in that. Interesting. Yeah. But, I mean, she knows that... I mean, she's the one killing him, or shooting him at least. Yeah. But that hurts her, I'm sure, a lot. Maybe she's trying to keep him kind of reined in like a, you know, like a real tied-in mama's boy. Yeah. What did you think about um, when he was a young kid and she said, it's my job to to get you to where you're going, or whatever it was that she said. I mean, the way she paused and then said job was like, are you really his mother, or are you looking at this like, okay, this is a job, and I know yeah. this kid has work to do, and I know where this kid's going to end up, so it's my job, the same way it was her job to tell Desmond things about course correction, is it just her job to make sure that he stays on the right path, doesn't get distracted by these girls, and by things like playing the piano, and stays on the scientific track? Maybe that's just part of her being the time police. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe she knows Abaddon, and they learn how to get people where they need to be together. Yeah, or maybe she's, like, Abaddon's predecessor. Yeah, maybe. She also asked him if he knew what destiny meant, and the definition she gave was weird. Did you notice that? Yeah, it was kind of weird, but I don't remember the exact wording. I've got it here. She said, destiny means that if one has a special gift, then it must be nurtured. I was like, is that really the definition of destiny? Yeah, I wouldn't think so. But destiny is like, you have a path, and you're supposed to walk on this certain path. Yeah, maybe that's some sort of island version of destiny, you know? Like, maybe maybe that kind of, like, his destiny is to find a way to help the island, hmm. and that's what using his gift is all about. But, you know, it's definitely not the conventional version of destiny. Right, which brings up something else about Faraday and some of the terms he uses. Um, he always used to talk about destiny and, and things like that, and certainly his mother did. But then he starts saying, like, good luck, or we're going to need luck. I mean, he seems to be making the switch from, well, this is the way things are. Whatever happened, happened. And now he's like, well, you know, any of us could die at any moment. So with luck, we won't die. Yeah. But I think part of that is just because he knows that that is their present rather than their past or anything. So he knows that because of that, that anything literally can happen. Because all the stuff that had been set in stone is done. Yeah. Which kind of made me think about whenever Hawking was in the hospital talking to Penny and she's like, from here on out, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, why do you think that is? I don't know. I mean, I mean, she must have some sort of superpower to know what all is happening all the time. Right. I mean, it does seem strange that she has very selective knowledge of things that will happen. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I mean... It seems that certain people are more important than others. Desmond, obviously, is more important. But then she also knew about the guy with the red shoes that got crushed under the scaffolding. She knew about him. Now, why would she know about him? I mean, does she have the capacity to know about everyone all around her? Everyone within 20 feet of her? Everyone 
in the entire world? I mean, who exactly and why, you know, why specific people? Why does she mm-hmm. know certain things about specific people? That kind of made me think of, remember a few weeks ago, I said that Daniel's superpower was his brain. Mm-hmm. I think we definitely had that confirmed, even if it wasn't, you know, like a hero's type of superpower. Right. But, you know, maybe maybe he almost got a little bit of that from her. Maybe she has an extraordinary capacity to learn and find these things out, and he kind of took some of that from her. If it's, if it's genetic at all. Mm-hmm. That's what we don't know. I actually have sort of a theory that I was thinking of. Um, it has to do with the electromagnetic energy and what Daniel was talking about with the what's going to be happening at the swan in mm-hmm. T minus four hours coming up very fast. Which is of course set at the same time as what it's going to be like in real life, I think. Oh wow. That's kind of funny. It's like 24 entering in lost. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but she, um, I was thinking maybe Eloise is somehow near the swan when this incident occurs and maybe miles is nearby baby miles. And so he gets, um, gets his power at that time because what else would cause a gift like that you know yeah i I was thinking if she got a gift at that time then that might be a reason for her to leave the island if she knew she had to go find somebody in particular who was out in the world and i guess okay do you think that young faraday like not old enough to remember young faraday could be on the island at this point because That's Charlotte's what I was there. thinking last night, that he's got to be there somewhere, I yeah. think. So do you think he's in the other's camp somewhere? He might be. I mean, it would make sense if he was, at least yeah. to me. Yeah, it would to me, too. In that case, I mean, if he has special gifts, then it could also be from proximity to this source of energy. Mm-hmm. What do you think about um, the fact that he said the source of energy under the swan is 30,000 times more than the one that's in the orchid? I mean, the orchid is the donkey wheel. Well, that... To me, that would make me think that at least the two energy sources are the same thing, just at different strengths. Uh Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Like, maybe the donkey wheel can switch you around maybe back to the 50s or whatever, but this could take you back to, like, dinosaurs. (laughs) Well, is it meant for moving people? And we don't really know what it is. It just seems to be, like, a a source of energy, like a pool of energy Mm -hmm. that hasn't really been controlled. Um, it's, It's sort of controlled, I think, with the button or at least that has effect on it, but it doesn't seem to be reined in with, with like, the wheel, the way the wheel is connected directly to the power source mm-hmm. and can control it like that. Interesting. Didn't you have another part of the theory that had to do with that magnetism and the pregnancy problems? Yeah, I was just thinking this would all, you know, if it all occurred at the same time, it would make a lot of sense. And I was also wondering, with the people that we've seen have the pregnancy issues... Um, have they all been island natives or people who've been on the island for decades and decades? Because it could be that it's just people who were around at the time of the incident mm-hmm. that have these issues, but that's those are the only people they have on the island. Because if they kept following their little other rules and not marrying outsiders, then surely they wouldn't have been bringing outsiders in and marrying them. Yeah. Don't you think? Unless they do have some sort of recruitment But maybe that was another thing of why they were so mad at Widmore for having a child with somebody outside. Maybe, maybe this magnetism created some sort of genetic anomaly that everyone around them at the time got, and then he's passing off these genes to someone that shouldn't have them. But Penny doesn't have... That we know of. I mean, she had a son. Well, I know, but what I'm saying is maybe 
because she only got like a half dose of, say, the genetic weirdo chromosome. <laughs> and, you know, her mom didn't have it. Maybe that's why she's okay, but maybe there's still something different about her. Hmm. Maybe it was part of why Penny was able to help locate the island. Kind of like a built-in homing device? Yeah, kind of a genetic homing device. Huh. Well, that would also explain why Miles came back and why Charlotte felt she needed to come back. Yep. I'm still trying to figure out why Daniel Faraday doesn't have an accent. I know, right? Because he has British parents, he went to a British university. Maybe he watched a lot of TV. I don't know. He called his mother mum, I think. Oh, did he? I think he said mum. But everything else is just regular American English. So I don't know if, if it's a sign that he's rejecting that or if they maybe moved to the United States. For, I mean, maybe they went to Ann Arbor when they left the island. And maybe. so he grew up in American schools. I think if he's on the island, they're going to have to leave before he's old enough to remember anything. Because mm-hmm. obviously he doesn't remember. Well, yeah, and Miles doesn't remember. Charlotte only slightly remembers. Vaguely remembers the scary man and stuff. Yeah. 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 Speaking of scary man, how about Daniel and that graduation hairdo? Oh, that was another bad wig. (laughs) Yeah, I think that one and Ben's time from when he stole Alex are, like, tied (laughs) for lost worst hair ever. Yeah, well, don't forget Jack. Jack is a surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. That was was even worse, I think. Jack's druggy beard. No, that's not what I'm talking about. When oh. Back when, like, young Jack in surgery. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was pretty bad, too. Mm-hmm. That was a terrible wig. Um, so uh, let's talk about Daniel and Widmore's meeting, which was interesting. We finally found out that the caretaker is, like, nobody that we know. I know. I kept trying to figure <laughs> out who she could possibly be. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting in that scene that... Um, Widmore says, well, I'm telling you this about the plane and the fact that I planted the plane because you're not going to remember tomorrow. But at the same time, he's offering Daniel a job, and he thinks or assumes that Daniel's going to remember that. Yeah. I mean, what kind of selective memory does he think he has? And Daniel does seem to remember the job offer when his mom comes over later and says, hey, I think you should take this job. So... I don't know. I mean, that... Couldn't he also remember? Yeah, that's really weird. That told him or nothing, you know? But I thought that it was just so sad watching him struggle with his memory because, you know, his whole life is dependent on his brain power and now oh, yeah. it's failing him. And that's just, I just found that to be, like, profoundly sad. Yeah. One other interesting thing in that scene that I, I happened to see on Twitter today was that Wired Magazine, um, they tweeted about the magazine that was sitting on the chair that Faraday moved so that... Um, Widmore could sit down, and they had a picture on this, linked to this, and it's a picture of the cover of the magazine, and it says, The End of Cancer as We Know It, page 108, mm-hmm. across the top of the cover, and it says, The Impossible Gets Real, X-Ray Vision, Invisibility, Time Travel. And the subtitle below that says, Forget Science Fiction, Here's the Science. And another thing I really liked is the superhero on there who looks like he's kind of trying to be Cyclops. He has a big W <laughs> on his chest. Ooh. You know, like Widmore, like Widmore. Or theoretically, that would have been Daniel's original last name. Huh. That's a really good catch, Denise. Now, the other thing for this magazine is that this issue is from August 2003. So, you know, this could be months later when they're reading it. Mm-hmm. But um, it does give us something of a time reference as far as that goes. Now, another interesting reference to time was when Daniel and Miles pulled up to the orchid, and then 
right after that, Pierre Chang drove up. And Faraday was looking in his notebook and he said, right on time. So how much stuff is written in that notebook? Like, how did he know that Pierre Chang was going to show up? Or was he just making a general, like, oh, look, he's on time. You know, work has begun. He's on time. Yeah, like, does he have an entire timeline in there? Exactly. And yeah. if so, how did he get it and when did he write it? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if young Ellie wrote some of the stuff in there. Well, do you think that there was stuff written in the notebook when she gave it to him? Or that she filled it in later, maybe? I don't know. I mean, there very well could have been stuff written in there already because we only saw just the cover page. True. But we also saw her handwriting on that page. Yeah. And um, it doesn't really like her, her handwriting through the rest of it. Well, but maybe she just wrote kind of like in the first few pages and then he kind of continued on from there. Like maybe she made some notes or whatever and then gave it to him because mm -hmm. she knew it would be useful to him. That's true. That's true. I thought it was interesting she wrote, no matter what, remember, I will always love you. On my notes I wrote down, even when I shoot you. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> like, yeah, remember when I shoot you that I actually do love you. I shoot you because I love you. Yeah. Um, I'm sparing so, you. So what do you think of um, Daniel telling Pierre Chang, well, I'm from the future. Oh my god, I can't believe he actually said that. Like, <laughs> you know, we all knew like he was going to say it sometime, but I was like, what are you doing? You're mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah, I mean, he'd been back for like two minutes. Yeah, and he's like, hey, that's your son right there. And I was like, oh my god. I was yeah. like, this is so awkward. Yeah, well then he told Miles, I'm just making sure that your father does what he's supposed to do. So is he supposed to scare Pierre Chang away with these comments? Or is he supposed to um, say, okay, yeah, you are from the future. And, oh, you want to make a video like the Comic-Con video last year. Yeah. Where it seemed like Faraday was behind the camera. Now, a lot of people are starting to question that. And there have been a lot of comments saying, oh, is this really canon? Can we really trust this or not? Mm -hmm. But regardless, to try to make a video to get in touch with the future somehow. Like, is that what he's trying to sort of corral Pierre Chang towards that? Or is he trying to just scare him away? I don't know. I, I almost want to say a little bit of both. Like, he wants him to make the video and have contact with the future, but then he wants him to be saved and, you know, not killed also. Right. Because if Chang were alive, I'd love to see what he was doing right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, with so many years of being able to work on stuff. Yeah. Although, I wonder, I mean, depending on how much time you spent down by the orchid and the swan was being built, you know, I wonder if there would be long-term radiation craziness that you would get. Yeah, who knows what the effects are. And speaking of, you know, all the radiation and everything, if you dropped an atom bomb on a whole big thing that's 30,000 times the power of the donkey wheel, I'm thinking that might blow up the earth. <laughs> Yeah, I can't see that it would have any good results for anyone in the vicinity. Yeah, it's not like it's just going to be like, oh, we just negated each other. Ha ha, little cloud of black smoke. Maybe yeah. that made the smoke monster. Well, <laughs> I don't... <laughs> no, wouldn't that be awesome, though? Don't they already have the smoke monster? Well, maybe it's like Smokey's little brother. Okay, whatever. Um... <laughs> But th that is an interesting point, because how exactly is Faraday planning to do that? I mean, bombs explode, right? Okay, first of all, how is he planning on getting the bomb to there? It's not like he's going to lift it and carry it piggyback. Yeah, unless it doesn't matter where he detonates it. Interesting. But even so, wouldn't he just blow up the whole island? That's the what I'm saying. The island's not huge. 
It's big, but it's not huge. I mean, I don't know too much about bombs, but isn't that kind of the same type of bomb we dropped on Japan? I think so. Because that pretty well ruined Japan. Well, this, is, this is a hydrogen bomb, right? Yeah. And those were atomic bombs. But I What's mean, the difference? I'm not really sure, but I think the idea is the same. You make big explosions, and it affects a really large area, you know? I mean, miles yeah. and miles and miles. Or what if the point of blowing everything up is that the current timeline ends, and so the plane doesn't crash. I mean, everyone on the island dies. Unfortunate side effect. But Unfortunate side effect. <laughs> but then the people who came back from the future get put back into the future. But do they just get, like, blooped there or something? I don't know. Or they're there and they don't remember anything and it's like it never happened? But I think that if they detonated the two, I mean, there would be massive explosion and the ground would be gone. It'd be in the sea. Yeah. It would be huge. But I just think that, that if that happened, everyone on the island would probably die. Yeah, for sure. So the people from the future would cease to exist then, but then they never would have made it to the island at all. And their flight wouldn't have crashed, which is what Daniel's hoping to accomplish. And so everything would be fixed in a way. Yeah, but I can't see why Kate would be super pumped about the plane not crashing, because then she'd be in prison. Right. So in any case, Faraday's saying that his purpose with this whole plan is to get them back to where they belong, Mm -hmm. right? And, And that's also what he says his mother failed at, that she didn't really need to send them back to the island on the plane and stuff. She didn't really know what she was doing, which was, I mean, you've got two more or less trusted sources. You've got Faraday, you trust him for the science. You've got Miss Hawking. We, we kind of have to trust her on certain things. And they're both saying opposite things now. So, you know, who do we trust is becoming an issue again. Yeah, I wonder if she was saying that they needed to go back because, you know, maybe... Alana and Bram are working for her, and really the point of them going back was to send Alana and Bram to the island. Hmm. Yeah. You I know? guess that's a possibility. So Daniel, he told everyone that he needed to find the hostiles in order to find his mother. Which was sort of true, but he, he kind of sold it to them as, well, she can get us back to where we belong. But what he really wanted was the bomb. Yeah, see, what I was kind of thinking is since he knows that the swan is being built and we know that the swan had hieroglyphs on the calendar, on the calendar, on the little countdown clock, Uh I wonder if he was thinking that he needed the hostiles' cooperation to help with something for the swan. So I was thinking maybe that's kind of where he might have been leading with that. But if he's going to blow up a hydrogen bomb, would there really be any need for the swan at all? I mean, he's trying to make it so that they don't need the swan. Yeah. What was the swan going to be used for if it wasn't used for pressing the button? Just research? Maybe. Just have an outpost there? Speaking of getting to the hostiles, I loved how Juliet gave them the code to get to the gate. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, Sawyer's like, come on, Freckles, and you see her face, she's like, oh, no, you didn't. Mm-hmm. And she's like, code, one four one seven one seven go. Yeah. Now, do you think there's any significance to that code? I don't know. I mean, the only thing I could think of is maybe possibly rearrange the numbers and get 747, which is a really big plane. Mm. Or the 14 at the beginning yeah. is like 14J. I thought it'd be kind of funny if she gave them the code that would set off a 14J. Although, you know, they're already sounding the alarm and everything, so it wouldn't really matter. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to be very specific, like tell them where yeah, the 14J is needed, but, you know. They're definitely out of luck with the whole Redzinski barging in and like, hey, that's Phil in a closet. 
Yep. You know? Not a good situation. How are they going to get out of this? I think they're going to have to start talking about the future. You know, I think Sawyer's just going to have to start being honest and say, you know, we didn't really crash here on a scientific mission. But Radzinski's totally not going to buy that. He's such a nutter. Right, so they're going to have to take it to a higher authority like Pierre Chang, and then Pierre Chang's going to be like, wait a second, just a couple hours ago, some crazy guy came and said he was from the future, and now you're telling me you're from the future too? Yeah. And if all their stories coincide, then I don't think he'll have much of a choice. And if Faraday would ever come back now from the others, or if someone brought his notebook back Uh and showed him the notebook, then he might believe it. That would be really neat. So do you think Faraday's actually dead, or are they pulling our leg again? He looked pretty dead, and the look on Ellie's face when she realized, I mean, they focused on Daniel's eyes for a long time. Yes. And, you know, they, they went blank like they would when you die. Yeah, he would moved them a little bit from side to side, and then they kind of stopped moving, but it was right at the end, so it's like, yeah. Ugh, how do you really know? How can but, you tell? I mean, I was definitely not expecting that part. Yeah. Do you think that if he is dead that they're going to heal him or anything? I don't think so. I mean, I think that's for really special cases and emergencies. And and you saw how much they had to kind of go back and forth with Richard to get that special treatment for Ben. So And it would so. almost it would almost seem kind of disingenuous or lame or something, you know. Just yeah. be like, "Hey, we can kill stuff people, but we can bring them back." Yeah. You know, dead is dead. Right. If, if you're going to kill him, kill him even though I love Faraday. And don't want to see him dead. Mm-hmm. I think that it would be too lame if they let him be fixed by the temple, you know? Yeah. I mean, that can't be the solution for everything. I know, right? So Ben must still be there, do you think? Yeah. And he must be there Yeah, he's got to be there So somewhere. I wonder if they're going to run into him soon. That would be interesting. Well, it is getting to the end of the season. they got to get everybody together somehow, yeah. you know? Very true. Very true. And to kind of go along with the everyone coming together idea, first of all, I'm super happy that Desmond is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I was really glad about that. But he made such a point of telling Penny, I promised that I wouldn't leave you. Mm-hmm. I promised, you, you know? You know what that made me think? Hmm. Maybe because of his incident, kind of in the end of season two, where he blew up the hatch. Yeah. Maybe... Because who knows what happened to him then, right? I mean, he woke up in the jungle, he was naked, he had had these weird flashes and visions and things. Maybe he became like Richard Alpert. Because what effect would that much energy do? Yeah. And the fact that it didn't kill him, it probably should have killed him. Yeah. But it didn't. So when he says, I promised I would never leave you, does he mean like forever never? I mean, she would obviously be immortal and die. But is little Charlie half immortal? Is he like <laughs> well, only going to live 500 I don't, years? I don't know if it's something that would transmit yeah. on to other people, you know, but where I was totally going with this before is I, it's okay. <laughs> I was wondering, is this going to be how Desmond gets back to, to the, the island? island, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm sure he's going to have to get back somehow. So I wonder if, you know, this means that Penny is going to be coming with and stuff. Yeah, that's a a fair question. And maybe she would discover more stuff about her dad and how that's where her dad came from and everything. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot she doesn't know. Yeah. The fact that Faraday's her half-brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I wonder about Sun and Locke now, too, because you've also got those people out there who are trying 
to get to the people in 1977 to help them, how are they going to factor in, too? I mean, it's like the end of season four. Everyone was spread out, and yeah. then they all had to come together at the very end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we kind of have the same thing going on now. Everybody's scattering all over the place, and maybe by the end of the season, they'll all come back together for some grand finale. Yeah. I remember at the beginning of the season, I was like, oh, Sun's going to be the key to this season. Ha ha. <laughs> I really got that one right, didn't I? Well, you know, we can't. Can't get everything right yeah. with Lost. <laughs> Maybe it's going to be Lapidus. I hope Lapidus is okay. I hope he's not getting, like, tortured by the box people. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We've still got that mystery. The box. And then we've still got um, Hurley with the guitar case, which I was reminded of in this episode because when they said, pack up all your stuff, whatever you can carry. Yeah. He was still carrying that guitar case. Although it looked kind of thin to be a guitar case. Like, I know that's what it's supposed to be, but I don't know. To me, it looked thinner than my guitar cases. Oh. Maybe it was whatever kind of guitar it was. This is a special kind, right? Yeah, maybe. I feel like I heard someone talking about it on some podcast. Maybe it was a Hofner bass like Paul McCartney. A little skinny violin bass. Hmm. Um, so, Faraday mentioned a certain chain of events. Just going back to the whole, what would it do if he set off the hydrogen bomb? And he mentioned, okay, first you've got the hatch, and the hatch has the button, and if you don't press the button, the plane's going to crash, and when the plane crashes, then the freighter will come. So he kind of lays out, okay, this is the whole chain of events that happens, which is really interesting. You know, you trace back, okay, yeah. why did this really happen? The plane didn't crash just because Desmond didn't press the button. It happened because back in 1977, four hours from what we've seen in Law so far, supposedly there's going to be some big incident, and there's going to be this release of energy and they have to do something to fix it. So it's like, okay, for everything that happens, there's there's so many causes beforehand. I mean, you basically can hardly trace anything back all the way, but, but Faraday seems to think that he's traced it back to the source, and he also seems to be thinking now, hey, I can change time. Like, he says something, something to that effect to young Charlotte on the swing set. Yeah. I didn't think I could change it, but hey, maybe I can so, he's trying to change things. You know, what is happening whenever they press the button to let the, you know, kind of energy release or exactly. something? Exactly. Where does it go? I wonder if it goes through, like, some underground piping system to the orchid and, and they find some way to, I don't know, demagnetize the crazy mm -hmm. radiation gas and turn that into the gas that the orchid can put out to poison people. Hmm. Or if it turns into their source of electricity, Ooh. because they've got electricity all over the island, yeah. where does it come from? Although it doesn't stop after after the swan explodes, so I guess that's not really possible. But still, I mean, what what are they doing to to deactivate all that energy every time they press the button? Yeah, I mean, it just seems kind of pointless to make a station to do that if there's the possibility of harnessing the energy and using it for something productive. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much more we can say about this topic, so let's move on and just point out a few of the little sorts of things that we noticed in this episode. I noticed that when Faraday was watching the footage of the plane crash on TV, the announcer said that the the uh, wreck was found by the Christian 1. And Christian, I figured, was just another way of saying Christian, and I mm -hmm. was like, Christian Shepherd. Oh, is there any connection there? Yeah, that was pretty neat. Yeah. Um, one thing that I was thinking of is, you know, it's awful convenient that Jack has the keys to the gun case in the motor pool. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering, you know, obviously janitors have keys to everything, but I wondered if that 
was why Sawyer wanted him to be a janitor. Oh, partly strategy and not just keeping a low profile. Uh-huh. And yeah. then also with the whole gunfight thing. Why would you go and jump in the Jeep? The Jeep <laughs> has no top. It may not have doors. That seems like a fabulous place to hide from gunshots. Yeah, all I can think is they might not have had time to open the doors on the van. I know, To get but... in. I mean, it was convenient to just jump in, yeah. but it does seem like one of the more dangerous vehicles you could take as far yeah. as, as trying to provide cover for yourself. Yeah. Motorcycle. <laughs> Let's get on a motorcycle. That'll save me from the bullets. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um, one other interesting thing, not exactly from the show directly, but my brother on Twitter today, who does not watch Lost at all, which is sad because he should, he happened to tweet that he was reading a book called The Chemical History of a Candle by Michael Faraday. And so I, of course, freaked out and said, send me a link to that. <laughs> and uh, it's it's a book that's, like it says, it's about a candle. But I thought it was funny that the word candle, like Marvin Candle, mm-hmm. and Faraday were in the same in the same book. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to go read the book because it doesn't look that interesting, honestly. I'm sorry if anyone out there has read it. I glanced at it. The whole text is on Project Gutenberg. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, you can go read it. But it was it was about chemistry and candles and stuff. I like fire. Are you a pyromaniac? Fire's pretty awesome. Okay. <laughs> but uh, speaking of Faraday, I thought that it was really interesting that halfway through the episode, the, the Dharma patch on his jumpsuit changed. At the beginning, it was a swan patch. And then, like, halfway through the episode, it just switched to a generic Dharma patch. Oh, it seemed to me like his whole jumpsuit changed, because when he got there off the sub, wasn't he wearing a black jumpsuit? I think so. It was really, like, it was really dark blue, at least, or maybe black, and then he Uh was wearing sort of a charcoal gray sort of jumpsuit. So when did he change? Because he really seemed in a hurry to get to Jack, and he already had that picture of the new recruits. Yeah. Which is why he was like, take me to Jack. I can't believe these people are here. How'd they get back? Yeah, he seemed, you know, like, obviously a man on a mission. He didn't really have time for fashion. Yeah. So why the change? Yeah. And when? Seems strange. But I guess it's probably not the most important mystery about Faraday, now that he is possibly dead and we might not get to know much more about him. Yeah. So, I guess that's all we have to talk about right now. Thanks for coming over, Denise. Yeah, it was fun. Hope your studying for tests and things goes well. I can't wait to be done with this semester. Me too. All right, see you next week. Yep. It's time to get to some feedback. I've got one voicemail, or I should say an MP3 message, some comments on the blog, and some emails to get to. So first up is the voicemail. Hello, Anna. This is the JD Man again. Oh, and hello, Denise. And hello, Denise. Sorry I didn't say hello last time, so I hope that kind of makes up for it. Anyways, what I have today can go two ways. We can do the long version, or we can do the short version. And since I like to do as little work as possible, I'll go with the short version. Alright, so the short version. Well, we know about the um, electromagnetic properties of the island. 
the healing effect it seems to have. So anyways, I went through some articles trying to find out about this electromagnetic energy. And I went through a bunch of different websites, including one with this guy Sancho, who claims his connection to the earth allows him to absorb magnetic energy and shoot fireballs. Now obviously that guy's a Fruit Loop. But there does seem to be a connection. And I was thinking about that. If it's got healing potential, maybe Jacob probably lived in the temple before they blew up the energy in the swan there. And maybe that energy was what he lived on and that's why he's so weak whenever we see him. And again, maybe not, but it's just something to think about. You see, and then oh, the incident's probably going to be where that they unleash the energy... Another thing that seems to tie in with that is this um, psychic energy. Now, they haven't brought notice to it yet, but I think it's got something to do with it. Like, for example, there's this um, old British serial called Children of the Stones that goes into this kind of thing really deeply. And if you got the time, I suggest you watch it. And I mean watch it. Not run to Wikipedia, type it up, and, oh, well, look at this. See, I didn't have to waste uh, six hours. Yeah, but where's the fun in that? So instead of giving um, examples, I'll just leave it at that and allow you to look into it on your own or just completely ignore it, whichever you feel more comfortable doing. And I could, no, I'm done. Later, Anna. Thanks a lot, JD, man. I think you may be on to a few things. Um, thinking about the energy and the fact that Jacob might be tied into that somehow. I mean, the energy does seem to be the essence of the island and of what makes the island special. And of course, Jacob is something that's also really unique and seems to make the island something special and, and different from other places on the earth. Now, as far as the psychic powers and the healing powers, we know that there are other spots on the earth that have the same type of energy. Think of the place in Australia where Isaac of Allure was. And um, as far as the psychic powers, we know that there are some dreams and visions taking place for certain people on the island, certain people who seem to, I don't know, connect better with the island, I guess you could say. So, yeah, it's a good question that you're asking. What is the connection there? And does the fact that they released all this energy when the hatch exploded, finally, does that, is that what made Jacob so weak? I think that's a very good question to ask, because then if, if that is true, then what would they have to do to get another source of energy that would be that strong? Would the hydrogen bomb do that, or would they have to tap into some energy at some other part of the island? Or, I don't know, I don't know what they would have to do, but, but it's a good question. Well, moving on to some comments off of the blog, Anthony wrote, Daniel's death struck me as sort of anticlimactic. Why would his mother send him to the island, knowing that she is the one who will be responsible for his death? I can only think that his death is the catalyst for some action down the line that mitigates her sacrifice. You know, Anthony, I think that is a great thought, because she does seem to love him, and love him genuinely. You know, she looks very much like she's in, in pain when he says he'll go to the island because she obviously knows what his fate is going to be once he returns there. And she does see it as a sacrifice that she has to make to 
basically to um, keep things on the right path so that, you know, other more extreme course correction doesn't have to take place, I guess. Um, but yeah, is there some greater goal that she's working for? Because if the goal is just, well, I saw him there back in 77 and I shot him there, so he has to end up back there again, that's, that's a terrible goal. I mean, her goal must be something bigger and greater in, in the grand scheme of things. Following up on this comment, Dave in Detroit wrote, I think a lot of people are still pondering this. I believe whatever happened happened still holds true, and that's why Ellie sent him back to the island. Two things stand out upon initial reaction. First, Richard Alpert seemed pretty scared about getting shot, so maybe he can die, just not age. And I was a little surprised he didn't remember Daniel. I know it was 25 years. Second, it looks like the same experiment that messed up Teresa also had some bad effects on Daniel. Overall, it was a bit of an emotional downer of an episode. Team Sawyer got caught, and Daniel was killed by his mother. So, as far as Richard Alpert, yeah, he seemed a little more nervous, a little jumpier about the whole gun-pointed-at-him situation than he has seemed before. So, maybe he can die. Um, that's a good question. And he said Ellie was gone, and then basically turned around and she was right there behind Daniel the whole time. So was he lying or did he just not know that she had just gotten back? I mean, that whole situation was kind of strange. And as for your comment about Teresa and Daniel, and both of them have apparently undergone Daniel's experiments and it's affected both of them, but in different ways. I mean, Teresa seems to be jumping around through time and um, Daniel just has this memory loss, but he can still... He can still function at some level. I mean, he's still up and around and he can live in a house, whereas Teresa seems to be stuck in bed all the time. And you have to wonder where Daniel got the money for the house and the caretaker. Is this part of the grant? Does he have this money anyway? Or, you know, where is this all coming from? And, and maybe, too, we also have to wonder, does Daniel remember Teresa? Does he remember what happened? Because he seems to be missing a certain range of memories and then his short-term memory... So, does he even remember what happened to her? Or does he just remember that something went wrong and he got kicked out of Oxford? The next comments on the blog are from Aisha. She commented about Juliet. She says, Your jealousy got the best of you and you sent Jack, Kate, and Daniel into danger. If she hadn't given Kate the code to the fence, they wouldn't have gone and the shootout wouldn't have happened. Yeah, and then they wouldn't have come to Sawyer's house and they might not have found Phil in the closet yet. So yeah, that really did... Um, start off that whole chain of events. Uh, Aisha also says, finally, a lost character with mommy issues. It was about time. Yeah, a lot of them have daddy issues, but um, if you think back, I mean, Kate had disagreements with her mother. Her mother uh, basically called for the cops on, on Kate and um, screamed that time that Kate tried to visit her in the hospital when she was sick. And then you have Locke with his mother lying to him. Oh, you were immaculately conceived. And, um, and then you've got Jin and his issues with his mother who tried to blackmail um, Sun. So some of them have mommy issues, but, but they're definitely usually not as obvious as the ones who have daddy issues and the problems don't seem as, as drawn out either. So that's a good thing to point out. And then your last comment, which I really like because I totally agree with you. I need Walt to return because if he doesn't, it completely makes everything Eloise Hawking said null and void. Everyone has to return. Just because Walt is a normal kid now doesn't mean that the island won't want him back. Or maybe Walt will end up like Charles Widmore. He'll grow up to be wealthy and powerful, and he'll want to find the island again. Hmm. I think that's a great thought, because um, we don't really know if everything that Miss Hawking says 
is true, but if it is, then yeah, why is Walt the exception to everything? Why didn't he have to come back? And um, maybe we can say we've seen her proven wrong before? I'm not sure. I mean, Desmond did something that surprised her, and she said, wait, you're not supposed to buy the ring, you're supposed to wait. And then, of course, you've got her own son's testimony against her saying, well, she was wrong, you know, she maybe shouldn't have told you to get on the plane. And you've got that really dramatic moment where she says to Ben, if you can't get everyone on the plane, then God help us all. But is she just being overdramatic and melodramatic about the whole thing? I mean, what what's really going to happen and how bad is it really going to get? Um, is she really being truthful or is she just trying to manipulate people and make them do what she wants them to do? Is she just the next Benjamin Linus? Jean in Sacramento wrote, Will someone please explain to me why Kate would be motivated to try changing history so that Oceanic 815 doesn't crash? All it would accomplish is to make sure that she serves a nice long prison term. What's the upside? Jean, my thoughts exactly. Of all the people who came to that island, she is one of the ones who has the most to lose by going back to her normal, regular life. If they set the timeline like Faraday says he wants to, so that the plane never crashes, she's going to jail. Unless she thinks that she can escape from the marshal again, but that just, that just seems like a really slim chance, and I can't see her betting everything on that. I mean, what does she, what does she want to go back to? Or maybe she just isn't realizing all the implications of hmm, if 815 didn't crash, then where would I be? Because that's been a few years ago now, and she's so far removed from that situation, maybe she's just not thinking about it. But I really, personally, I'm hoping that they're not going to try to tell us that the whole first four seasons don't count for anything, that they can just, you know, in the blink of an eye, just erase all that. Um, and then, you know, if if that happened, then everyone on the plane would still be strangers. You know, they'd all be sitting in their seats, giving each other little polite smiles and stuff, but they wouldn't know each other. And I think that would just ruin season six, because the characters that we know and love wouldn't know and love each other. And um, even if they had everyone forget about everything that happened and, and fixed, I guess you could say fixed, the timeline so that the plane never crashed and then they had destiny or fate or whatever they want to call it, bring the Oceanic Six or, or bring all these people that we know from the island, bring them all together for some other reason once the plane reached Los Angeles. It would just seem really cheap, I think. Anyway, Jean also wrote, I noticed that when Widmore claimed Daniel was his son too, that Eloise didn't confirm anything but just slapped his face. Does this mean that she was upset that he would have the gall to lie about it much as Ben was always saying about Alex? We still have the mystery of the names Widmore, Hawking, and Faraday all in the mix. Um, well, I tend to think that he's telling the truth, but she slapped him because he was an absent father. Um, he's, it's kind of the opposite situation that you have with with um, Danielle and Ben. Danielle slapped Ben because he was claiming to be the father, and he was indeed the one who had raised Alex, but he wasn't the biological father, and here you have the opposite situation. Widmore is the biological father, but he didn't help raise Daniel at all, and so she slapped him. You know, how dare you claim to be his father when you weren't even there to act like a father? I, I think that's what's going on there, but I, I could be wrong. Coke Logic wrote on the blog and commented on the Comic-Con video, and he says he guesses it isn't canon, which I know a lot of people have been discussing this recently. Um, but he says that he doesn't think it's canon because he firmly believes Faraday is dead. Look what the Lost Riders did. They cried wolf so many times. If a character is shot and drops to the ground, no one is sure if they're dead. 
Jin was in the water, Ben was saved by Alpert, and Locke came back to life. But despite these false alarms, I think Faraday is truly dead because of the impact it creates for Hawking's character. You know, Cook Logic, that's a good point, that it does shape a lot of what Miss Hawking does throughout the rest of her life. You can see the shock on her face when he says, I'm your son, and, and yeah, that's going to have a huge impact on her and on everything she does and on the way she raises him and everything. Um, I really hope Faraday isn't dead, but that's one of the things we'll have to wait maybe next week or maybe later and, and hopefully find out soon. Bajai wrote on the blog and said, What we have here is two groups of people, similar to what we had in Season 4 when Locke's group went to the barracks and Jack's group was freighter-bound. We have islanders who want to do something in 1977 in order to alter the future, and then we have the ones that feel that destiny is more important. No matter which path is taken, one thing is for sure. The writers of Lost are doing everything they can to drive me crazy, because if I have to explain how time travel works to one more person who only halfway watches the show, I'm going to go nuts. Um, good points there, Bajai. We do see this um, happening where where they're splitting into two factions that are, are sort of working against each other. So they're the ones who want to sit back and let destiny take its course because they figure, well, everything's already settled the way it is. And then you've got the ones who say, no, we're going to change things. We're going to make it happen differently this time. So the question is, can things happen differently this time? Chris wrote on the blog with some comments. He says, I also believe Faraday is dead, but I think Jack and Kate will come back to the camp and explain what Daniel was there to tell them as best they can with the help of Daniel's notebook. Which brings him to another point. Do you think that when Miss Hawking gave Daniel the notebook, it was blank or full of Daniel's notes? Well, I think Denise and I touched on this earlier. I think that it was blank. I think the only thing she wrote in it was that note. It looked brand new. And I, I can't think what she would write in it if she had written something in it. Um, maybe some equations or something, but I, I think it's more his personal notes and um, that he just started writing in it right away. Chris also wrote, How will Sawyer and Juliet escape? Where is Saeed? I think they will reunite with him on the beach. How will Desmond be drawn back in? I'm assuming he will get back to the island at some point. Good questions, Chris. Um, I think that Sawyer's going to have to explain things to Pierre Chang, and probably even before Jack and Kate get back from the other's camp, if they come back from the other's camp, um, they might not because they were planning to go to the beach, but maybe they'll read something in the notebook if they flip through the notebook, and they'll say, hey, we have to go tell Pierre Chang about this. But in any case, I think Pierre Chang is going to have to be convinced really soon. They're running out of time before the incident that Daniel's trying to warn him about. DJ Chow wrote on the blog, Great episode for the hundredth episode. Only Lost can have a future older Eloise sending Daniel back to the island, basically to get him killed by a younger Eloise. It could explain, maybe, why Eloise was so distant to Daniel, because she knew what the future holds for him and didn't want to get emotionally attached, knowing how his destiny would end up. I'm getting the feeling the young Eloise will get Daniel's notebook and start to believe that he was from the future, and that's what starts her path in leaving the hostiles and making sure things come out the way they are. In the future, we will see her be all-knowing that the universe always corrects itself, that you can't change things. You know, DJ Chow, I think this is a really good explanation for why she would leave the island, because it's hard to think of other reasons, although it's also interesting that when she talks about sending Daniel back to the island... Um, maybe she meant that it was a sacrifice because she knew he would die, but she almost seemed to be speaking contemptuously of the island, like, well, my sacrifice, I had to send my son back there. Like, like she didn't want to go back, or she didn't even want to think of the island because it was so terrible. But then, 
at the same time when she was trying to convince Daniel to go to the island, she obviously knows the power that the island has, and she's like, oh, well, what if Widmore says is true? What if it can heal you? In that sort of um, manipulative way that she has, um, not coming out and saying, yeah, I know everything about this island, I used to live there, but, huh, what if it's true? Maybe you should try that. I also like the fact that you asked the question, how does Eloise know about Desmond? How does she know about the key moments in his life, um, telling him that he needed to break up with Penny and that he would end up on the island? How does she know these things? It's, it's a huge mystery. And let's see, DJ Chow also says, I think the incident Daniel refers to will happen and we will find out that in the season finale, there will be two sides of the Losties, with Jack leading the group trying to complete Daniel's plan and prevent the future of them crashing, and Kate who will lead the side of them stopping from doing it. Knowing how things are, we might see in the season finale that before they can actually detonate the bomb to complete Daniel's mission, they will be zapped back somehow to the future. I think that it will be Locke's group that does something to get the Losties back from the past. Yeah, that's a great point, because we can't forget about Locke and Sun. They're trying to do something. Locke has who knows what kind of power or authority on the island, and what sorts of resources he has. We, we don't really know. That's not clear. He's got some ideas, he says, so... Um, I think that at some point they're all going to have to end up in the same place together, whether it's the 70s or the present day, and um, we definitely can't discount these people, even though we haven't seen them for a couple episodes, and even though they're decades away, they, they are still, I think, going to be huge factors. Guns Bacardi left some related comments on the blog. He said, I believe the central conflict, as the end of Season 5 approaches, will be between those who want to carry out Faraday's mission and those who do not. Constants versus variables, maybe. Hmm. On a larger scale, I have a weird feeling it will also be between the 77ers and those in 07, but I'm not sure how. Jughead versus the mysterious crate item, or something like that. So, yeah, everybody's getting this idea that, okay, lines are going to be drawn, sides are going to be chosen... Who's going to be on which side, and, and what are the sides going to be trying to accomplish? Is Faraday's mission and getting that carried out, is that going to be separate and different from the war, and separate from the sides in the war? It's a, it's a very good question to ask. Jamal wrote on the blog, and um, he was responding to something that DJ Chow said about um, how does Miss Hawking know so much about Desmond, and um, his idea is that she got this from Faraday's book. It must have been written, something about Desmond in it, and that he was on the island without Penny, etc. Now that's an interesting thought, that maybe um, Faraday found out a bunch of things from talking to Desmond, wrote them down in his book, since he does say, Desmond Hume is my constant, and that she at some point got hold of the notebook and read it, maybe while he was having his memory issues. I mean, I don't know what he had written in the notebook at that point, but some pretty crazy stuff, so uh, maybe she read it at some point while he was kind of um, not really able to keep it from her while he was having his memory issues. Um, and Jamal also says, I like the thing that he said that whatever happened, happened. You can't change the past, but now what he says is that they're living in the past, but it's still their future. So maybe they can change time after all. Maybe that's why he got shot, because he tried to change time, and he got course-corrected by the island. That, Jamal, I think is a really interesting idea, that the island would go that far to course-correct and kill Daniel, so that he couldn't change the path of time. Um, that's a great thought. To close out our comments from the blog, here's what Angela wrote. I guess I'm one of the few that thinks this was a terribly sad episode. I really like the Daniel character. His whole life was a sacrifice. 
No piano, no time for it. No girlfriend, no time for her. And for what? The one thing that I can't understand is that when Daniel was a boy, his mother stopped his piano playing to push him to pursue math. If I knew what she knew, as a mother, I would have burned his science books and done everything in my power to keep him from going down that path. Let the universe course-correct in some other way. That is a really interesting and thought-provoking thing that you said there, Angela. Um, let the universe course-correct for itself. You know, why does she have to be the one to make sure that he gets to where she's seen him be before, back in the 70s and how would she even know to push him towards math and and things and that that those would be certain factors in his traveling back through time? I mean, how could she possibly know all the factors and all the things that lead up to that? Which leads us to the question, is this some extra gift that she has or is she doing this of her own accord? Is she acting on her own or has she been given this mission by someone like Jacob or someone else who... Um, I don't know who it would be, but someone who would assign these sorts of missions and, and roles to people, the way we've seen Widmore kind of, well, I don't know actually if he assigned that role to Abaddon or if Abaddon just came along and and Widmore said, I need this guy because of what he does in getting people to where they need to go. Moving on to a few quick emails, Clara wrote in and said, It was so sad to see how uncaring Eloise was towards Daniel, and that left me wondering if perhaps she is more evil or more devious than either Widmore or Ben. Now I think the question is, what did she do that she can't return to the island? It's always nice to see Desmond again, but I can't believe him when he told Penny that he would never leave her, or I can't believe the writers when they write that. I did find the variables interesting, but does that mean then, that all the time travel theories they've told us have just been thrown out? First it was nothing can change, and now it's, well, there are variables, so we don't know. Yeah, Claire, I thought that was really interesting, too, the fact that the variables are people, and people are so unpredictable that um, having them as the variables, things could change in an instant. So, yeah, it, it does raise an interesting question about, are they going to throw out everything they've said so far? Are they going to say, well, you can affect time in general from this point out. You just can't affect your own um, timeline that's already happened stretching out behind you. Um, I don't know. Kelly from California also emailed in and she said, Hawking's visit and apology to Penny seemed a bit awkward. How did Hawking know that Desmond was in the hospital? As for the life and assumed death of Daniel Faraday, I'm wondering about Daniel's plan. He acted like a man on a suicide mission. Honestly, what did he expect to happen when he walked into an armed camp waving a gun? and his plan to detonate Jughead seemed like a desperate shot in the dark to solve the incident problem. Where was Jughead? If it was on the opposite side of the island, how was he going to move it, get the people on the island evacuated, and detonate it in four hours? Lastly, that Radzinski is something else. I wonder what right he had to search the head of security's house without authorization. Thanks, Kelly. Great thoughts as usual. Um, for your question, how did Hawking know Desmond was in the hospital? That is a hard thing to figure out. I wonder if someone told her, if Ben maybe called her at some point and, and told her what he did, or if she had some sort of vision about it, or if she had a flash telling her about it. I mean, she seems to know certain things that happen in connection with Desmond, so maybe she's sort of in tune with major events in his life, and she just knew about it through that, but I don't know. That, that's a big mystery. Um, and then um, what you said about Faraday walking into the other's camp waving a gun. Yeah, that was really dumb on his part. I mean, even back at the motor pool, 
it seemed like he could have just put the gun in his pocket and saved a lot of trouble because I was just noticing the pockets as he was holding the gun the pockets are huge and they're just gaping open right there if he had just slipped the gun in his pocket things might not have gone so badly but oh well that's not what he did um but what about Ellie shooting him I mean was she afraid for Richard Alpert's life did she think that his life was threatened because of Daniel pointing the gun at him or was she just shooting Daniel because she's tired of having strange people walk into the camp and she's not going to put up with it anymore? Um, does it really imply anything about whether or not Richard Alpert can die? I don't know. And then Jughead. Does it matter where it gets detonated, really? I mean, he doesn't have time to move it, like you said. So what exactly is his plan? How exactly is it all going to work? It's, it's really complicated to think about because if he does detonate the bomb, Ellie and Widmore, I, I believe, they're both on the island at this point. So does that mean they would all die? I mean, that just has so many implications for the timeline that I don't even want to think about. I mean, no Widmore means no Penny, means no race around the world, means no Desmond to have to prove himself in the race, no Desmond who's in love with Penny if she doesn't exist. I mean, there's just so many, so many implications and so many things that would affect that I can't imagine that the bomb is actually going to detonate, but we'll see. I hope not, though. Ryan in St. Louis wrote in and said, If Daniel was the son of Eloise Hawking and Charles Widmore, why do you think his last name is Faraday? That's a really good question. I mean, you look at her name, Hawking, and his name, Faraday, you've got two really famous, really well-known scientists right there. Um, so they could have picked those names when they left the island. I don't know, though, why his name is different from hers. Um, maybe at some point he wanted to disassociate himself from her or she from him. Maybe they left and they had the name Faraday when they left and then she remarried and became Miss Hawking and her husband passed away and she kept the name. I, I mean, that, that could be an option. Um, his second question is, I got my wife to watch tonight's show with me and she's not a regular viewer and she was asking me about the title of the show. Besides being lost on the island, my wife noted that each character seemed to be lost in their own lives before coming to the island. Jack was having problems with his dad, Sawyer and Kate had trouble with the law, Juliet had issues with her ex-husband, Miles had his own daddy issues, Hurley could not get away from his bad luck, Charlie was completely addicted to heroin, Claire almost killed her mother, son was cheating on her husband and trying to escape from Korea, Charlotte had no recollection of her past and childhood, Saeed was torn after his life as a torturer in the Iraqi army, Locke had been pushed out of the eighth story of a building by his father and broke his back, I'll stop there. My question is, what other characters do you feel the title um, relates to in this way? Any of the others or hostiles that you can think of? Well, Ryan, this is a really good question. I, I was trying to think through the others and the hostiles, and the problem is that we just don't know enough about a lot of them. I mean, we, um, we just see people like Tom Friendly and um, Goodwin and Pickett, we've seen these people as adults, but we don't know their past and we don't know their whole story, how they got to the island, or if they were born on the island. Um, now, have any of them been lost and then maybe gotten found in some way once they came to the island? It's possible. I was thinking about Ethan in particular being born into the Dharma Initiative, but then switching over to the hostiles. That was sort of his being found, I guess. Um, and we don't know what his relationship was with his parents, with his father, if he had issues, but it could be very likely. 
Um, Richard Alpert, could we say that he's lost in time because he doesn't seem to age? Um, it could apply to him in that way. And, and then Ben. Ben's sort of in the same boat as Ethan. He was kind of lost before he joined the hostiles. He didn't want to live that life in the Dharma Initiative, and he thought that he saw something better um, in the hostiles and wanted to join with them. And that's really all the hostiles I can think of that, that we even know enough about to speculate about these things. I mean, even with Widmore and with Ellie, we don't know enough about their history to know whether they had these sorts of issues, if they were basically lost until they came to the island and then all of a sudden they felt found. I mean, it's interesting that there does seem to be a sense of, of purpose that comes to people once they come to the island and once they join up with the others. I mean, Juliet was, you know, she was a researcher. She had goals and things. Um, of course, she was working really hard to try to get her sister pregnant. But once she joins the others, I mean, she's an other all the way, 100%. She seems so committed. And, and I think that that may be true for other people who got recruited as well and maybe didn't know exactly what they were coming to the island for. Once they got there, they, they just become completely committed to the goals and the ideas of the others. Um, I don't know if this would be true in the case of people like Mikhail, but he doesn't seem to have been on the island forever, um, doesn't seem to have grown up there or anything. So, you know, what makes these people come to the island and decide, either decide to stay or decide, okay, I'm going to keep going along with things, you know, in a, in a more or less really enthusiastic way. I mean, I mean, I'm sure Juliet didn't have to do things like host a book club in her house, but she's become so much a part of their society. She's really integrated into the others. And I don't know if this is a sign that she's found something on the island that was lost to her before she came there, that she's part of this community and speaks Latin and, and knows all the secrets. Um, but it, it could be a sign of that. So that brings us to the end of the feedback that I have for this episode. Um, thanks to everyone who wrote in, sent in MP3. Um, you guys know how to get in touch with me, I'm sure, but in case you don't, the blog address is annainindiana.wordpress.com. You can email me at anna.in.indiana at gmail.com. The voicemail number is on the blog. I would love to get more voicemails. It's really fun to hear from you guys and and to hear your voice as you talk about these things. But if you'd rather write or email, oh, that's fine too. So with all that being said, there's one thing left to do in this episode, and that is the character awards. From um, two weeks ago, Some Like It Hoth, we had two options. Jack for acting sensibly, deferring to Roger's authority, dealing well with the Roger situation, and Hurley for being a good and understanding friend to Miles. Now there's a few comments. I'm just going to read a little bit of these. Jed commented and said, that is not fair. Everyone is going to pick Hurley, but Jack needs some kudos as well. Well, Jed, it seems that the only kudos Jack is going to get is um, the mention on the character awards because Hurley did indeed win 71% um, to 29%. Um, but some other thoughts on this. Clark says, even though Jack's character has been low-key as of late, to say the least, Jack was still able to demonstrate grace under pressure and calmly manage what could have been a tense situation with Roger. Jack gets my vote. So there's one vote for Jack for you. Amy says that she loved Hurley in this episode, as always, but was impressed with Jack's attitude and ability to handle Roger. Um, and she says, though, that she did vote for Hurley. Charlie says, this episode belongs to Hurley. He really reached out to Miles. But have no doubt that Jack is on his way back to being lost leading man hero. 
Well, Charlie, I guess we'll we'll see about that. I mean, he did get to do some more exciting things in this episode. That was good. Uh, but we'll see if, if he has the character traits to really make him into the hero. And last but not least, Jason says, If you were to ask me to pick the one good character on the show, it has to be Hurley. No contest. Hurley is always trying to help out. He might do something goofy and accidentally mess things up, but his heart is always in the right place. I thought Jack handled Roger very well, with the one exception of telling him that he did know Kate, and making it sound like he knew her for a long time or something, which of course is true, but might not be a good thing to tell Roger. Also, I will give Jack credit for reporting it to Sawyer, but my vote still goes to Hurley. So, thanks a lot to everyone who stopped by to vote, and to those who uh, were brave enough to leave their comments and their justifications for why they voted for who they voted for. Now this week we have two options. And I have to admit, it was kind of hard to come up with two. So the first one is Richard Alpert. Um, I know we didn't see him a lot in this episode, but I think that he deserves some credit for trying to keep the peace and for showing a genuine concern for Faraday. And really, when you think about it, he showed more concern for Faraday's well-being than his own mother did, at least in the in 1977. Um, so Richard Alpert, first option. Second option Daniel, and I guess this would have to be um, more for the younger versions of Daniel, but really for, for all the versions of him, for showing patience and perseverance in dealing with his mother and with all the pressure that she put on him, because I think she really seemed to put him through a lot, put lots of pressure on him to study what she wanted and go where she wanted him to go, and um, obviously it didn't turn out so well for him in the end, so he did seem to be pretty patient with her. I mean, he did um, kind of kind of lash out at her at the restaurant a little bit, but, you know, that's after years of of her and putting all this pressure on him. So I think that he deserves some recognition for his patience and perseverance with her. So those are the two options. You can, of course, stop by the blog, click on the polls tab, and find the link to the poll there. Feel free, as always, to leave your thoughts along with your vote. And that's about it for this episode of Jacob's Cabin. Um, can't believe we're this close to the end of the season. I hope there are a lot of great things in store. I hope that if you're spoiler-free, you're managing to stay spoiler-free. It's getting pretty tough um, with what with Twitter and, and all these websites and all, but I hope that if that's your goal, that, that you won't be spoiled for the finale. Um, I know I'm not, so I'm really looking forward to the last few hours of Lost this season. And just as a side note, if you haven't been listening to the very end of this podcast, we've started sticking in bloopers because we say some things and crack ourselves up, and, and we just thought it'd be fun to include that for you guys. So just to let you know that's there, there's definitely some bloopers from today. So hope you guys enjoy that. If not, then I guess you can turn it off before then. You don't have to listen to us sounding really stupid, which might be better anyway. But <laughs> thank you everyone for listening, and we'll see you back here next week. episode was provided by the pod show pod safe music network check them out at music.podshow.com
then... Time in a Bottle? Well... It's a good song. Oh, I don't think I know that song. So a very carefully picked episode... Or episode. A very carefully picked... What do you call it? Edition. Edition of the magazine. Oh, really? Yeah. Volume. Volume? Volume. Oh. <laughs> issue! It's issue. <laughs> and it says that this episode... Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it affects a really large area, you know? I mean, miles yeah. and miles and miles. And miles. And baby miles. And, <laughs> and superpowers. <laughs> I mean, that Kitchen whole thing magnets. seems really strange to me. So why the change? Yeah. And when? Seems strange. Made a rhyme. What do we him... still need to see? Um, I Well, I can't really think of anything. They're not going to show him just changing his jumpsuit, so never mind. <laughs> With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.